You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey friends, Dan Duvall here to remind you about OvercomerAccelerated.com. This is our Christ-centered, world-class training in trauma, satanic, ritual abuse, and dissociative identity disorder designed to accelerate your healing journey. It comes with over 100 hours of coursework that is designed to equip you, train you, and motivate you, as well as live courses, which includes group coaching with yours truly and a book study. There are two ways to join the program, one by bringing your own coach and another by receiving a student coach, which allows you to get eight hours of coaching in addition to all the other offerings of this program at a very reasonable monthly rate. Please keep in mind also that dandevall.com is the home of the Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall podcast, and you can connect with us here, find merchandise and review past episodes. You can also connect with us on Manifest Space, which is our private social network. It links right from dandevall.com. And here you'll find free content, some paid content, as well as wonderful people, groups, conversation, and so forth. I highly recommend it. With that said, we're not going to delay. We're going right into the program. We'll see you on the other side. Those were your announcements. Well, friends, it's time for another episode of Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall, and I am here with a new friend. And her name is TJ Henderson, and, and she is the author of a book, Becoming Untethered. Now, usually I'd have the book with me, but I have what's called an advanced copy. So it's sitting in this binder. Um, but I've gotten to review that and I, I've met her and her wonderful husband because you guys came to the Bride Tribe Advance this past November, mm-hmm. the shift. We did. And that was just a lovely time. So we got to sit down with you guys and, and hear a little bit about your story. And and, and uh, now we are connecting for this podcast. So TJ, welcome to Discovering mm-hmm. Truth. Mm, thank you, Dan. Thank you for having me on. Well, I think we're going to have a really uh, exciting conversation today as, as, we, as we get into it. Now, you have right. not done a lot of interviews. None. <laughs> Based, my story, on my story, no. <laughs> so listeners, give her mm-hmm. some grace. Mm-hmm. She is going to be sharing with us for the first. And you know, you're overcoming some things, TJ, yeah. in doing this interview. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest, right? And one of the things mm-hmm. we, we, we talk about when... People come forward to share about their, their their journey from programming, specifically mind control, uh, is, is, is that they've been silenced by programming. It, 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 there are very literal programs installed to take away a person's voice, to yeah. suppress them, to ensure that they never speak up. You're overcoming all of that right now. I applaud you. Thank you. Thank you. A lot of it has been addressed, but I'm always aware of, okay, is there something shutting me down? Is there something taking my thoughts? Is there something interfering? And he always brings it to light. So, mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually going to have you talk about that. But first, before we get there, I want to talk about your journey of waking up. Because I think, as it goes for most people, by the time you are in the midst of your adulthood, husband, job, kids, you don't know. You don't know what's been done to you. You don't know your past. There's a false reality overlay, a storyline that you've been instructed to abide by. And then God, right? The But God. And, and, and God authored a wake-up moment for you Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna let you introduce yourself to us through that moment and 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 talk about Mm -hmm. how god made a divine intervention on you and your family and took Mm -hmm. you on a totally different course Mm -hmm. he did 
You know, we see in scripture so much that there's so many suddenly moments that God shows up and says, okay, I'm here in the midst of your everyday life. And our everyday life was, you know, a simple Bible church, Baptist church in town, the small town with the Baptist church and Masonic temple, uh, the ranch life, the taking care of the cows, land, homeschooling the kids, all those things going to women's retreats, Bible studies, you know, just those normal everyday things. And yes, it was a suddenly fall day that, that our son came running in the house. His eyes were huge. He had been crying and it wasn't unusual for him to reach out to this radio station in Houston, Texas, uh, KSBJ. And we were packing up to go on a family trip at the time when he came in and he said, mom, I got something to tell you. And I said, uh, can you save it for the pickup? We got to go. We got to get loaded up, load the horses. There's always a, you know, it's more than just getting yourselves ready. So we ran downstairs and he called KSBJ and he shared his God encounter while he was doing chores with, with his dad and there was a calf that had gotten hurt. And in our world, you do the best you can to take care of the cattle. I mean, you live with them. And if they're not going to get better, then you help in their suffering. And so he had had that kind of encounter that day. And it touched his heart deeply. He made the phone call. Within three weeks, the radio station calls me and says, we don't know if you know what's happening, but... Six million people tried to watch the video today. So this was back in 2007, before social media. Uh, was posted, they posted it on their website. And so six million people in one day were trying to view it and their server crashed, which caused them, <laughs> caused them a lot of problems. And I hung up the phone and I was telling my husband and I said, Maybe I did not hear that right. So I called them back and they're like, oh no, it was 6 million people in one day. I'll, we'll send you the email from the server that says we, we can't handle you anymore. And so that was the start of the very first step of God saying, I am going to show up and I'm going to shake your world. And in looking back over those last 15 years, it I've also come to realize it was God's prophetic declaration over our life that this family will not be used for the global evil agenda. Wow. This family is going to be used for my kingdom and my purposes. And I'm going to touch billions of people around the world in the process. So in the months to come, we started doing radio interviews. We started getting emails from around the world of our, our church played this today, or we would get a phone call of a grown man crying on the end of the phone saying, is this the Henderson household? And I would say yes. And, you know, we would never let them talk to him on the mm. phone. It was always kind of a screening of what are your intentions? And people's intentions were always genuine. It was, you know, I, I was driving down the road. I heard your son's call. I haven't been touched like this in years and I can't stop crying. And I just thought somebody should know. And so, you know, there would be a year of a lot of that. Uh, after that year, I would begin to settle into some deeper movings and stirrings in my own heart and things coming to the surface and realizing that God does show up in our everyday life. He's, yeah, he's, at, he can be at church. He can be at Bible studies, but the things that God really wants to do and show us and teach us because he cares about our stories. He shows up in those everyday circumstances you know just like you see through scripture over and over and that's what he did for us he shows up you know the the thing is as you guys came into this season a divine interruption 
Right. You are mm-hmm. in front of the nation suddenly for an unexpected reason. Mm-hmm. And God's showing up and 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 pointing some things out. He's like, I am able. But you didn't know your story at the time. Now you know a lot more. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the things that we had talked about before we got started in this is the people around you didn't know either, so even, especially leaders. Mm-hmm. And I want to now go into the story a little bit because, okay, mm-hmm. what kind of programming was done to you? Who was involved and how far back does it go? I mean, did it start when you were in middle school and elementary school and you know where where does the story start so walk us through that and through some of the things god has been able to bring back over the the healing journey mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah there was a lot so like most survivors my story started at conception um conception rituals specific bloodline iniquity intent um, I think from combining Bride of Satan and Bride of the Beast bloodlines, and I was their, their product, their protege. And of course, the being put in the hands of parents slash handlers who one was a witch and one was a pedophile, you know from working with people that darkness loves to use children like me, who have had no secure attachments, no nurturing, um, and yet there's nothing obvious to the world. You you seemingly have a a normal household. You seemingly have parents that work. You seemingly have uh, a functioning life. And so they would capitalize on that. A lot of the first memories I had come to the surface were of being trafficked as a child. So by the, the time I was five, I had had a lot of trafficking. And a lot of it was done in the horse rodeo world, which is also another cover. Because, you know, cowboys are supposed to be the heroes. They're supposed to be the, you know, kind of the epitome of salt of the earth kind of people. So it's like, who, who would suspect? And horses are so much part of God's glory. Uh, but my story would prove, does prove that Satan loves to rob God's glory in any way that he can. So the trafficking would cross over into um, lab scenes where I was... Mm, programmed I was they were doing work on me through the trauma uh, that was already laid down through the through the incest through the trafficking to begin to make my mind a computer to serve the one world order and of course they use a lot of drugs on me like a lot of drugs like day in and day out um so parents slash handlers were part of that drugging along with the doctor that was part of my delivery. And so those those memories are really fuzzy, foggy, like weren't there, wiped clean. But as they began to come back, Jesus just would allow me to have the strategic memories I needed to know my story. And so one of those memories was very clear of being in a, a lab facility setting where they were working to make my my brain a computer. And part of the memory I remember hearing them say was my will was too strong. Wow. And so and so the, the their plan to make my brain a computer wasn't working. So they were going to plan B, which was wipe it clean, start over. Now, I I think it's a common thing that's known that electricity is used often to program, to traumatize, to do to the body and the brain what they want to do. 
So this is going to be just a bit of a rabbit trail, but that memory of when they did that came up for me this year and how they did it. I already had the lab scene, but what they did and why they were doing it came up for me this year. And I was, I was out, I don't know, doing chores, taking care of horses, whatever. And all of a sudden I could not walk on my right foot. Um, like my foot has been fine. What is going on? So I've been on this journey long enough to know, okay, when something surfaces in the body like that, yeah, there's a story behind it. So pressed into it same day. And it was, it connected with the voice I had been hearing of within me, my core being, which it's taken a while to get my core being back. But I was hearing Papa, Papa, where are you? And it was so clear and it moved me to tears. And I'm like, Jesus, what is this? I don't normally call you Papa. Yes, you have mothered me and fathered me. But Papa, where is this coming from? So I had that going into pressing into processing this trauma memory that was coming up that manifested in my right foot. It's causing me not to be able to walk. And as that came to the surface and the memory pieces I needed to know became clear, they shocked me to death to erase what they had put there. And in that time of death, I was in God's presence and would later learn that that's when I was born again. I had I had been in his presence. And I don't have a, you know, I saw this, I saw that in heaven. No, I remember being in his presence. And I know that would be a trump card he would use in my story going forward. And he would reveal it at just the right time. Also learned processing a different memory that when I came back, I came back with an angel in my system, in my altar system. And she would literally become the heavenly artificial intelligence in the evil artificial intelligence. She would, she would carry a lot of the things they were going to require of me to do to make me a bride of Satan. So she literally went through those traumatic rituals and programs as me to keep me from being destroyed, to keep my heart from being given over to evil. Incredible. Yeah. So I came back uh, with those, what they were tending to do erased, which you know what that does to you know, all the developmental trauma, all those, all those things, just, it just contributes to the programming that they're able to lay. And I've even learned that when you have experienced death, they can program things in even deeper. So they capitalized on all that and worked to make my brain a, a file system. And I have had to give up those abilities to keep files on people and go, okay, God, it's not going to serve the Illuminati. It's not going to serve the one world order. This is going to serve your kingdom. And so he has used that to help me understand pieces and parts of people's lives and pick up on pieces of their story, pick up on things I sense and see in the spirit and then go, ah, yeah. And that's part of the ability too that came in being able to discern all the programs that they had put into me. Wow. It, you bring up such a powerful point. It, people don't ever don't often fully understand the goodness of God. Yeah. We're just limited by our own 
belief systems, framework, and so forth. And, and so when we hear the depth of what God does at times, it can be very challenging. And there's a lot of religious people out there that are very challenged by the idea of the way God employs angels in our lives. People that just get uncomfortable and the idea mm-hmm. that God would put angels, not just around us, but literally inside of our subconscious, our bodies, our hearts to, to actually surface and be the presenting personality for mm-hmm. a torture or programming session is a big stretch, but here's what the Bible says. His angels will bear us up in their hands, lest we dash our foot upon a stone. Just because you've read that and thought, oh, I think that that means God has a guardian angel that sits about 10 feet back and watches what happens to me. Doesn't Mm -hmm. mean that your perspective, listener, is Mm -hmm. the end of the conversation. In fact, what we find is TJ is not alone. God's been doing this for a lot of people. God has a mastermind plan that has been undermining the new world order globalist agenda in the lives Mm -hmm. of survivors that goes way back before they started making their plans. It's really interesting. And his goodness is painted all across it. It's, Mm -hmm. it's profound. So I'm glad you said that. That's so powerful. Mm -hmm. And um, I know I've, in my work with others, I've certainly met angels that had jobs like this and they have great honor that they receive for doing these job. I mean, it's tough. It's tough work. But, you know, you, you, you mentioned two terms that I really uh, did want to ask you a little bit more about. Mm -hmm. And those two terms were bride of Satan Mm -hmm. and bride of the beast. And you separated them. You said it's bride of Satan, bride Mm -hmm. of the beast. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what those terms mean for you and your experience Mm -hmm. i can there's a lot of depth and width to all of that bride of satan came from one side of the bloodline bride of the beast came from the other uh, deeply masonic rooted deeply masonic Uh, so you know the different programs that i had to get rid of that were you know, some put in by the lab work, yes. Some put in by the hmm, experiences from being taken to rituals. Um, Shriner circuses are not all they're cracked up to be. Had a, a grandfather that was deep in the Masonic. And interestingly enough, he never made it public. So that henceforth, the crazy making of my story is I don't have a proclaiming 33rd degree Mason in my so-called blood family. It was, it was all done in, in darkness. And so those rituals that I was taken to, to begin to be trained up as being the bride of Satan, so I wasn't programmed to just be part of the Kabbalah tree. I was programmed and intended to be the roots of the Kabbalah tree, to be the one that fed the blood into the roots of the Kabbalah tree. And the, the, the angel that came in, she held a lot of those memories. And she, as odd as it seems, it seems like when angels connect with our humanity, and I never I never understood all the angels do until I began to understand my own story. Angels have their own healing to do too. So she would she would hold some of that programming. A lot of that programming, of course, settled on me mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. My spirit man was in fragments. And so the, you know, the depth and width of different kinds of programs from all the ritual programming, the blood programming, the bride of Satan specific 
to being trained up in that uh, were specific to Bride of Satan. And then, of course, they put in the top layer, they put in all the the veiling programming, the hoodwinking programming that comes through the Masonic rituals, the Masonic influence, and then the you know, voice programming, the mirror programming, the suicide programming. So they strategically layer in suicide programming with the different layers they put in you. So if you get to a certain layer, you'll just self-destruct and you won't, you won't be able to understand nor share what else they put there. Mm-hmm. And so then that would lead me into, um, at times a deep depression and that's when he clearly asked me to do some very out of the box things for me and ketamine treatments was one of those things I would not recommend them for everybody uh you have to walk in a super amount of wisdom in dealing with those choosing what healing methods to to use and what fits you and what fits your story But when I was able to, from the ketamine, be able to step back out of my story, look at it as I'm looking in on my story and not a way of disassociating, but in a way of looking at the big picture. Okay, what's the big picture of what they were trying to do to me? What were they trying to use me for? Then that's when I really started getting clarity of, okay, I'm not just a traumatized, depressed, messed up person trying to do this Christian life. There was a bigger purpose and plan here. And so, so the bride of Satan had a lot to do with the Masonic. It did. The bride of the beast. Mm -hmm. What was, what, what was that? I would say that's part of my story that still needs exploration. It still needs, there's, there's still truth pieces to come out. Okay. I, I have heard you mention the beast being, you know, of course the end times revelation talks about the beast a lot. Do I understand all that? No. Does it resonate deeply with me? Yeah. Um, you know, is that, is the beast a computer? I, I believe so. And in my getting rid of programs, I've gotten rid of a lot of programs of beast computer program, mm, bride of the beast and, and others related to the beast. So all the technicalities of it, um, I don't know other than I believe it's part of the, the ways of wanting to make my brain a, a computer and connected to the the artificial intelligence. Very interesting. So, 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 just in response to that, I mean, I, I certainly get questions that are not uncommon, right? Because people are trying to figure out how does artificial intelligence find its way into the revelation narrative of the end of the age. Because you see Satan, you see the dragon, you see the beast, you see a false prophet in there. And it's like, where's the artificial intelligence? And yet Mm -hmm. we see it all over now. I mean, and and here we have Elon Musk going full steam ahead with his neural lace plan to weave in, you know, a lace into your brain so you can, you know, basically telepathically interface with computers Mm -hmm. just on a purely technological level. And, and it's like, what, where, where, where is that? And one of the things that I find interesting is that there is the beast and then there's the image of the beast and, and the image of the beast is given life. Like it, it is given life by the false prophet. And I look at the image of the beast as total artificial intelligence that's what i believe i believe that the image mm-hmm. of the beast is the artificial intelligence for sure and I, I i know that there's a lot of conversation to have on this subject but i want to i want to ask about about no voice programming and i, I want to let you explain to us a little bit about you know okay here we are 
God has done a lot of healing in you and you're ready to mm-hmm. tell your story. You wrote mm-hmm. this book, Becoming Untethered. Um, you were programmed. Why? Why is it hard to just get out there and just say it? What's what what's the challenge? <laughs> yeah, it seems seems simple, right? No, they program you when you're handled, especially when your handlers are parents, they handle you from a very, from the time you're born to look, be, and act a certain way. So we're talking basic programming, like day in, day out programming with family members, you know, being the compliant child, being the one that doesn't make rifts in any way, shape, or form. And so you have just the the day-to-day programming, the heart programming, the just simply from, you know, detachment and not having attunement, you learn to live isolated. You learn to live as an internal survivor and you are safest when you don't make waves. You are safest when you don't talk. And you, you pay attention and you do what you're told. That's when things go best for you. So it's literally, it's not just a brain programming. It's put in at the cellular level of if, if I don't stay quiet, if I don't stay compliant, if I don't do what I'm told to do, it is not going to end well. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's what for sure what they rooted all of mine in and then you know whatever they add along the way through artificial intelligence through neural lace and i will tell you you do not want neural lace as part of our society i remember going through a season of grief realizing that my own emotions were not my own emotions that there was sentient intelligence interfering that was giving me my emotions. And so that's, that's part of the no voice silence programming as well. We'll just, we'll just overcome you with emotions of being a victim, emotions of that you are isolated and nobody will hear you or believe you anyway. And look at your story. Nobody's going to believe you. Nobody's going to believe all this has happened to you. So there's there's a lot of different aspects to no voice programming. And when I started rising above that and conquering that, then I became aware that looking at myself, so like looking in the mirror, doing a video, anything like that, there was deep mirror programming. So I was literally looking in the mirror and reprogramming myself. Wow. It is so well put because that's exactly what others are going through, which is why they're listening to you talk about it. Well, truth brings freedom, right? That's right. Thank you for explaining that. I, I also like the fact you brought up something. I call them emotion programs, emotion program, because it's actual programming producing emotional response yeah to every situation Mm -hmm. the injustice is off the charts on this stuff i mean it's just awful Mm -hmm. i want to move this conversation now in the direction of of the body of christ now, I know, I know that you have a, a, a particular burden of the Lord to explain certain things. One of those is um, what, what leaders need to understand about survivors and survivors in the body of Christ. Now, now, I met you. I met your husband. You guys seem like, you know, wonderful people. I, I mean, I can tell when someone's on a healing journey, because I've been around this for a little while, but apparently that's not always been the case in your experience. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your programming and and the role that 
the controllers and handlers had you playing in the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Again, it's deep and wide and complicated. And they, you know, they capitalize on everything that they, they put in you and they tend to do for their purposes and their kingdom. So they took advantage of my appearance, genetics, my desire to serve, my desire to show up, my desire to be compliant and faithful, which pastors, particularly Baptist, Masonic influence pastors absolutely love. And so, you know, you show up with this perfect Christian persona and we had that persona as, as a family, as a whole, you know, the, the wholesome ranchers, the wholesome people that are good and honest and show up to do Bible study, show up to paint the wall, show up to cook the food and do the dishes and lead the women's retreats. And, and they absolutely love that but they don't like it when you start acting like you're falling apart and they are not able to sit with you and go, what is, what is wrong? What is going on here? That isn't, isn't lining up. You know, you're faithful. You come to Bible studies, you come to church regular, you're in the word, you're learning the word. And yeah, that all serves a front to all the darkness that is put there, you know, and for those of us that have had to deal with parts, parts that have been, are evil, sold out to evil, to be evil. We know on this side of God's grace and God's goodness in it all, but evil will use those program parts to bring disruption in the church, to bring darkness into the church that, leaders have no idea is there because they are going by what they see and they're seeing fruit. They're seeing the faithfulness. They're seeing the, the servanthood, but they have no idea what's going on underneath and no idea the amount of sabotage that can happen. Now, in in thinking back over your story, mm-hmm. were there ever any points at which you identified I was accessed and used for sabotage? Sadly, yes. Um, they were more subtle. I truly believe is by God's grace, God's divine intervention, God's protection, and the angel in my system, all the things that God had already put in place as a trump card that would keep me from being the prostitute, keep me from being the seducer, keep me from being all the things I certainly should have been. But the awareness I have of, you know, parts sabotaging, I mean, certainly sabotaging my marriage. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's just the, you know, everything from the narcissistic thinking to the, no matter what you try to do to love me, I'm going to sabotage it. Uh, No matter what you try to do to be my friend, to serve alongside of me. I'm not going to trust you, so I'm going to protect myself and that self-protection and all the programming around that would come out in, I would say, more where you play mind games with people and you don't even, you don't know you're doing it. You, You know that relationship is hard. You know that marriage is hard. You know that being in a fellowship is hard, but you have no comprehension. I had no comprehension what was coming through me that was doing that. Wow. So at the Bride Ministries Church, I did this series on parts and marriage. Apparently, I stepped on a a lot of toes. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't realize what I was doing. All mm-hmm. I know is that our views started to go down every week. <laughs> <laughs> then I, I changed and started talking about mm-hmm. absolute victory. And the views started coming back, but then everyone went back and started listening to those. <laughs> What's going on here? Mm-hmm. But you made a profound statement, you know, because you were recognizing the sabotage uh, to your marriage that parts were involved with. And wow. Okay. So that's a deep statement. And, and I, you know, I mean, and your husband is amazing man. I got to meet him, shake his hand. And I know that you guys have your own journey with marriage. You're still, you're still together, which is a glory to God. Uh, yeah. 33 years. Yes. Come on. And, and, but you know, if there's anything that you would like to share anecdotally about, you know, just, just mm-hmm. for those that are really on the edge of their seat, like, Oh, you're talking right to me, TJ. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mind games and just narcissistic thinking and the involvement of parts. I, you know, yeah. open floor. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot there. And truly our, our marriage is miraculous. Mm-hmm. Trauma memory is very specifically coming to my mind. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so early on in my journey, before I knew I had parts, I had stepped into the, yeah, I've had sexual abuse. There's a lot of my story I still didn't know. We were, during that time, we took a trip, uh, a long road trip to Texas um, to watch our daughter compete. We took two vehicles to a town 100 miles from us. One of them we would leave off to get worked on, and then I would get in the pickup with Mike. So remember trafficking, remember sexual abuse, as I'm saying this, I was doing well to my understanding until Mike picked me up from dropping off the vehicle. I get in the pickup and immediately I am triggered. Uh, and, and at this time we'd been married almost 30 years. Wow. So wasn't like I didn't know him. Mike has never abused me in any way, shape, or form. So the amount of trigger I had was so strong that you just, it literally overtakes your mind and you go, you're my problem. You are the only common factor sitting here that I can make sense of, of why I am so triggered. And so the trip down was awful. It was, you know, silent, everything from silence to tension. Uh, We're not big uh, fighters, but it was just, it was cold and triggered and uncomfortable for us both. So 12 hours of that through the weekend, I just disassociated from what had been brought up to parent you know to get through the weekend to do what you have to do that's that's how you've how I've lived a lot of my life the drive home wasn't much better I don't remember a lot of it but by the time we got back to where we had dropped the extra vehicle off I was on the floorboard sobbing uh, had no control of my conscious mind at all And neither one of us had any idea what was going on. And that was not uncommon. So, you know, Mike could begin to engage some of those things like, you know, I I really don't feel like I'm heard. I, I try to talk to you about things and it's just, it, you don't hear me. You know, and I knew my, my heart's desire was to be the woman God wanted me to be. And so I didn't understand what he was saying. And so he, anytime he would try to engage that, it would be like a part or a program would kick in and I would be on the floor in fetal position sobbing because I, I had done something that had made him upset apparently. And I had internally, I knew I had no control over addressing that 
Wow. So no. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's just a <laughs> an amazing man. Yes. So, so they put you together in the evil world to be well put together. They wanted you in the church. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, 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 unfortunately, this is actually true for a lot of survivors. I, I tell people the only difference between Bride Ministries and another church is that we know who our survivors are. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's, that, that's the that. difference because we're, we're not that unique except that people that are overcoming actively their programming are coming to us in that state but mm-hmm. there are program survivors in every body of believers all across the country lutheran baptist episcopalian mm-hmm. the methodists because you know they're lgbtqia and there's a lot of programming behind yeah. right the lifestyles right. yeah trauma mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. with that said you know, every survivor has handlers in their lives for the most part, even if they don't have that title. And people ask, well, what is a handler? The answer is someone that ensures that there will be a management of your life into more trauma, whether it be from actual doctors and scientists as part of government projects or cult members that are part of the satanic cult the handlers are responsible for the trafficking element for making sure that between Mm -hmm. events the person is not getting memories back not getting an ability to break away from the system this is what handlers do Mm -hmm. you said your parents were handlers please if you don't mind give us a little bit about how they did this job not only in childhood Mm -hmm through Mm -hmm. into adulthood and even your marriage Mm -hmm. yeah again wide and complicated um you know from not having secure attachments with them but yet having a deep loyalty to them they knew how to orchestrate those circumstances of keeping you faithful of providing opportunities, providing gifts that were supposedly uh, a stretch of finances, which don't necessarily believe, but so the, you know, those childhood things of keeping them, keeping you deeply attached to them. And, you know, as you get, as I got older, it changed and it changed into we're going to support you. We're going to put you out there. We're going to train you to be the best. So for me, that was the rodeo world. It was sports. It was FFA. It was the skull, you know, scholastically. So I, I excelled at all of it. And, you know, they were always there. They're always pouring into you, uh, controlling you. Yes. Demands. Yes. Really, the only time I got love of any kind was when I performed well. So if I went out into the world and I made them look good, that was that was when I got some some love and acceptance. And so it doesn't take long to figure out that performing well brings you the love you're starving for, the acceptance you're starving for. So that was just it would continue in those methods. I know there was a lot of drugs even used day day to day to to sedate, to you know, erase memories, to bring emotional connection to them. And that would continue on even as I married and had had children. So they would and they were they were very unhappy when I raised my children to not to not eat sugar because you know the lollipop programming if they can put in the lollipop programming at a young age which is 
a lot of sugar, you get the body used to toxicity, you get the body used to sugar, then they can drug you and you won't throw it up. So they use that on us as well. Um, one of our children accepted it well, one of them didn't. So one took to the toxicity and the sugar and the other one would throw it up. So it's not rocket science to figure out their stories are very different. They create a lot of public awareness of who you are and what you do and give you this specific image so that you know you're good people, you're successful, your people want to be a part of what's going on. So it's just, it's, it's all a cover to the dark agenda to traffic people's gifts, people's souls, God's glory, people's bodies. It's just, it's warped. And so um, when, how long did it take you to finally realize and connect the dots and say, my parents are handlers? Mm -hmm. A long time. Sadly, longer than I wished it would have. Mm. I wish I could have protected my family, my husband, my children. Interestingly, growing up, I don't remember Christmases. I don't remember holidays. I don't remember family meals. I have a handful. Yes. But the majority, you know, we didn't have Christmas on Christmas morning. There, it didn't happen. Interestingly, after I got married, all of a sudden we have extravagant Christmases. Hmm. So it was all part of, part of the persona, part of the look, part of the ploy. And as I was struggling to get free and struggling to figure out what in the world was wrong with me, struggling to control my mind and figure out why I was falling apart internally, I came across this man, just did simple deliverance, had a heart to pray for people. He looked at me one day and he said, I was wrestling with my parents and who they were and how in the world do I separate and how do I close that door? because we desired to do it the most honoring way before we knew all this. And I'm like, God, you, you've got to give me a way to honor your word. You say to honor our parents. So how am I supposed to do that? They don't respect our boundaries. They won't get help. They won't sit down with a mediator with me and get help. And this is draining us. Of course, at that time, I didn't know all the other things that were happening. But this man looked at me and he said, he heard me wrestling and he said firmly, you've got to protect your son. And that was the turning point in my mind of God's calling me to do something serious here. And so that's when I be began to be more aware. Of course, truths would unfold little by little as I could handle them. But at that point, that was the most agonizing thing I had ever done was shutting the door. You know, I had tried saving them. I had tried preaching to them. I had tried all the things. And I would really call them technically probably dualists. So were they worship God by day and Satan by night. Um, I'd never caught them in any acts of Satan worship. You know, no acts of studying to be a witch other than um, my mother would hex people when I would compete at rodeos. And at I would, I would watch her do it. In oh, the wow. And I, I, I had no comprehension what she was doing. Absolutely none. I had awareness, 
of that, which a lot of things I didn't have awareness of. I did have awareness of that. And later on, there would be a lot tied to that that would become clear of why my horses were dying of things they shouldn't be dying from. Um, so the horses were very much too a part of uh, a picture to me of they were a reflection of my own soul. They were a reflection of the circumstances going on around me. So they were dying strange deaths in that time. And all of those circumstances, those pieces began to show to me there's something going on here. But it was an agonizing decision at the time. Looking back now, I should have done it long before that. Now, also in, in talking with you, a lot of your memories began as physiological symptoms or yeah. experiences. Mm -hmm. hurts, brain hurts, something weird's going on in the body, can't, can't quite mm -hmm. put your finger on it. Now, it's so helpful just to get the inside perspective from the experiencer, you know, and we talk about concepts like body memories and, and, you know, I mean, it's a known fact that when there's a lot of trauma, the normal narrative brain function process, so the, the process the brain goes through of inscribing narrative memory gets overwritten. And those narratives do not get written into the normal areas of the brain where they belong, that, mm -hmm. that those trauma memories actually will bypass that process completely. The amygdala, the hippocampus, they, they go straight into the body cells, the memories, and, and, and then you'll have parts that split that know what happened. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, but you, you typically start your journey with the body memories themselves. Why don't you just spend a little bit of time talking to us about that part of your journey and some of the fruit of understanding that's how it works for you. Mm -hmm. Of course, it took me a while to figure out that that's what was happening. You know, I've had the poor health. I mean, I'm just, I am literally a walking miracle mm. because I've just, I've not only the death experiences, but the you know, the Epstein-Barr virus, the, the strep, the staph, the, all those things that seem so typical of, of survivors. My immune system was shot. You know, I would sleep hours and hours in a, in a day's time. I think it was really when my mind began falling apart because none of those body symptoms were foreign to me. It's what I had known all my life. But when my mind started really falling apart is when I really started paying attention. Like, okay, <laughs> I am aware here that I'm starting to exhibit bipolar symptoms. And honestly, I, I think being in, being in God's word is what gave me a foundation to begin to go, okay, I have a comparison here of truth that had been put into my heart and mind through his word to the darkness that was controlling my mind and my body. And when my mind started falling apart and I started becoming bipolar, it's like, okay, this has to stop. And I've got to figure out why this is here and where it came from. So that was really the, my first awareness of body symptoms and how they started. Mm -hmm. From that point on, when I would process a trafficking memory, I, I could feel it in my body as if it was happening in that moment. Wow. Uh, and so what my body was telling me was oftentimes more clear than what the memory itself was. So the Born Identity movies and how they portray flashbacks, yeah, it's pretty accurate, pretty accurate to my my story, you know, where you, you have a flashback of this or that, a body memory of this or that. And then you start getting all these pieces. But I'm to the point now that anytime I have a pain, a body memory, 
something showing up as pain that just came out of nowhere, I stop and press into it and most always is trauma related, lingering human spirit related, something actively coming against me. Mm -hmm. My body has definitely kept the score. So the, the memory of when I was shocked and when I processed that out, I had the foot pain. And then as I, as I was processing out the memory, my legs uh, just ran, just started shaking. Like I could not control my legs from shaking. I couldn't keep them from shaking. Now, in all of this, it wasn't just the Freemasonry. And uh, you also had some incursions with the Mormon church. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that? Mm -hmm. That is a newer piece mm -hmm. that most recently has come up in my processing and walking in the truth of my story. So when I was reprogrammed at age 12, 13, the Masons and the Mormons were part of that reprogramming. And it was part of the being indoctrinated into the evil religions. So it was indoctrination ceremony is what they took me through at the Mormon church after the reprogramming in the Masonic temple. Mm -hmm. And they just, you know, they work to create so much trauma and bloodshed in the, in those reprogrammings that it, it traumatizes the body and the soul so much that there's, there's no return. Um, and from what I've understood about other people's stories, 12, 13 is a common, you know, if they can snag you, program you deep enough, it's a, it's a point of no return. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they, they, they'd love to do conception rituals around that time as well. Uh, I'm not sure if that was your story or not, but that's definitely part of it. I, um, I appreciate you, TJ. Now tell me why, why'd you write the book? Yeah. So God called you. He said, okay, take this healing journey mm -hmm. and write this book. What are you mm -hmm. trying to accomplish with your book becoming untethered? Hmm. Well, it was part of my journey. I started writing seven, eight years ago and I had this writing coach come along. He's just a godly man. And he just walked with me so gently. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you edit and coach you along in your writing process. And I sent him the first chapter I had written. And he sent me back a simple message. And he said, uh, there's a lot more here. Can you expand on this? And uh, I remember being incredibly angry and going, that's the best I have. I, that's all I remember. What, what else do you want me to do? And so the writing became a way to process in the beginning. And it took a long time for me to be able to write from point A to point B. I would write in circles. So it went right along with talking in circles. So it was part of my healing journey. And when I was able to write from point A to point B, I knew I was getting better. And so this book was part of that process. And it was part of, um, I wasn't ready when I wrote it to talk about all the pieces of my story. And that was only a few months ago. Uh, so this book came out, it happened really fast. I had done lots of preparing, had had done a lot of writing. And so I took some of the trauma writing and incorporated it into the book when I didn't have reasons or understanding for why I was going through what I was going through. And so it was part of putting a, a cognitive process for me of my story and be able to use it as a testament and I also knew that I was called the spiritual leaders. And as you and I know, spiritual leaders don't walk in these waters very often, <laughs> but I believe that you are a rarity, Dan. And I, I believe God is, 
he's he's calling them. He's like, you, you've got to begin to understand what is going on here because where I want to go, where I want the church to go, you got to understand some stuff and you got to understand what's been happening to your congregation and people right under your nose. And so he began to, to guide me how to write to, you know, cognitive dissonance that just kept coming to me. Don't cause cognitive dissonance. So piece by piece, I just wrote and wrote. And one night I stayed up all night. I'm like, I've just got to finish this thing because there was so much opposition coming to finish it. And I stayed up all night. The Holy Spirit just literally came over me, reminded me of scripture, reminded me of stories, took me to scripture and just pulled it together. And so it's a, it's part of my healing. It's part of my testament. And it's also part of God gently shaking the church and leaders of here is what's been going on under your nose. Wow. 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 Well, thank you, TJ. This has been great. And you've really uh, informed us of uh, quite a few significant things. I, I think I, I think that this is going to be very helpful for listeners um, to hear your story. And so I... I'm going to let you all know, uh, TJ Henderson is her name. The book is called Becoming Untethered. It's going to be in print soon. Mm -hmm. January. In January. In mm -hmm. January. And so congratulations. Thank you. Congratulations <laughs> Thank you. on the, uh, the, the, the finishing of this project. And you know what, friends? With that said, we'll see you next time. Until then, God bless. And Godspeed. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Visit me at dandevall.com where you'll discover merch, books, and the opportunity to engage in our private social network. Join the tribe by subscribing to our email list and supporting this podcast. Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.